Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode of SFF Yeah! is sponsored in part by our giveaway of the best mysteries and thrillers of the year so far. Because we know you probably don't read just science fiction and fantasy. So this is for the mystery thriller readers out there. We're giving away 10 of the best mysteries and thrillers of the year so far to one lucky Book Riot reader or podcast listener. The prize pack includes Miracle Creek by Angie Kim, The Lost Man by Jane Harper, American Spy by Lauren Wilkinson, and more. Go to bookriot.com slash best mysteries to enter to win. And don't forget to leave your lights on. Welcome to SFF Yeah, a podcast dedicated to all things science fiction and fantasy. This is episode 63, and we're recording on September 20th. I'm Jen Northington, and I'm here with Sharifa Williams, and we're coming to you from Book Riot. And today, we are talking about African sci-fi and fantasy. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> I think this one's been on our list for a while, so I'm oh, glad for so we long. finally mm-hmm. got around to it. Yeah, which is not to say we haven't talked about African sci-fi fantasy authors oh, before. But, yes, you know this is true. And actually, I was having some, I was having a time trying to figure out uh, which title I had not talked about, yes! or you had not talked about, and it was very difficult. <laughs> same, same. It was an interesting, uh, it was an interesting research process. We should talk about that more too when we yeah. get into our picks. All right, but before we get to the news, I'm going to tell you about our first sponsor, which is the audiobook edition of The Future of Another Timeline. This is by Annalie Newitz. And Annalie Newitz is the founding editor of io9, you might know. And from Annalie comes a story of time travel, murder, and the links will go to protect the ones we love. Determined to use time travel to create a safer future, Tess has dedicated her life to visiting key moments in history and fighting for change. But rewriting the timeline isn't as simple as editing one person or event. And just when Tess believes she's found her way to make an edit that actually sticks, she encounters a group of dangerous travelers bent on stopping her at any cost. And this is described as perfect for fans of The Handmaid's Tale and The Power. It's an audiobook that explores the popular theme of time travel while applying it to topical issues like women's rights and how history affects current events. This all sounds fantastic. I actually have a copy of it on my shelf and I've been urged by numbers of people to get to reading it. So I have to pick it up. Um, and I love an audiobook. So for fans of audiobooks, you will definitely want to check this out. The narrator is Laura Nickel, the front woman of the death metal band, Light This City, which I have to check out now. (laughs) That's cool. So cool. And it sounds like it's a perfect fit because it's sort of a punk rock time travel adventure. I'm really excited. I'm more excited than I was before because I didn't know that much about the story. But now I am definitely going to check this out. So if that sounds like your cup of tea as well, check out the audiobook edition of The Future of Another Timeline, again by Annalie Newitz. 
Awesome. All right. So let's see some news. I have two quick follow-ups from news items from previous shows that I wanted to get to before we got anywhere else. And the first is that we had discussed that there was some call for the Tip Tree Award Mm -hmm. to be renamed and that the initial response of the organizing committee was that, you know, we hear you, but we're not going to do it yet. Well, they have received enough emails and, uh, you know, missives from the community that they have decided they will, in fact, be changing it sooner rather than later. Uh, They posted a tweet on September 11th saying that, you know, we've been listening and we're sorry for the harm that's been done. And uh, we're, you know, recognize that the award can't go on under its existing name. So we're working on it. Mm. And we'll say more within a month. So I'm really heartened to see this. Uh, I thought, you know, as I said before, their reasoning was interesting, but, you know, not exactly. It didn't seem exactly responsive in the original moment. Yeah. Um, And I just like, can we just have like no awards named after people 2K20? Like, what if what if we just <laughs> renamed all the awards named after all of them? Like, just in not, case. Just, just in, like, just because, you know, like we said, like. People are fallible, and do we really want a specific person's failures to be part of the yeah. award legacy? Like, no. Why? Why? So I'm really heartened by that. I am, too. Uh, I'm really glad. And I 100% agree with that. We should definitely just not have – I don't even know why it has to be one person. Like, one person is never going to represent an entire genre yes. anyway. Like, yes. you will never encapsulate all that an award represents, especially if you're trying to, like, if you've got a big award that is going to go to all sorts of people who are writing all sorts of forms under the same genre or whatever. It just mm-hmm. does not work. It just does not make sense. So I will sign that petition. <laughs> I mean, and there are ways to honor pioneers of genres without naming awards after them. Like, we can find other better ways to recognize their contributions than naming awards after them. So so that's exciting. And then the other sort of related, again, to awards, um, we had talked about how a lot of the acceptance speeches from the Hugos were well worth reading. And I wanted to call out, because it only just recently came across my desk, the awards speech from Elsa Shunison Henry, with apologies if I said that wrong. She uh, wrote a post for Tor.com based on her acceptance speech about what it means to win a Hugo as a blind person. Mm -hmm. And she is the first blind person to win a Hugo award, which I I, like, I hate that we're still on firsts right at this point in our timeline. Like we're still on firsts and this is a huge deal for a lot of reasons. And her piece is well worth reading. So I will have a link to that in the show notes as well. Highly recommend reading it. And she's part of the editing team um, for Uncanny Magazine that are doing the Disabled People Destroy Science Fiction and Fantasy issues, which are amazing. For the record, I backed them on Kickstarter. I've been reading them. They're so good. So I uh, am excited to see that her work and that the work of Uncanny Magazine in that regard is being honored. Yeah, I loved this piece so much. I thought she brought up some really, really great and really important points that, you know, abled people do not generally think about, especially when it comes to reading and what the image of a reader is and what the Mm -hmm. image of a writer and an editor is. Uh, I think it's very important to remind ourselves that, you know, there are other people in this world 
who don't have the same privileges but are doing amazing things and they need to be represented and seen. So mm-hmm. I thought this was a fantastic piece. I was yeah, it yeah. touched me. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, and I actually am going to continue the Hugo <laughs> Awards conversation with this not very surprising but interesting look at gender and the Hugo Awards. I felt like when I saw this, I thought that maybe you, Jen, had written it because it was so, so many charts, so many charts. (laughs) I do love a chart. You're just right. (laughs) So this writer, uh, James Davis Nickel, put this list together where he basically rounded up how many years a man has been nominated and you know he's using binary how many years a, a man has been nominated and how many years a woman's been nominated and just looking at it because i guess he references that there were some conversations about the gender balance of this year's hugo winners which i was not actually privy to thank goodness because <laughs> i kind of stay away from twitter so that's probably where a lot of those discussions were happening but that's the that was the purpose of putting this list together and compiling the actual numbers so that you could have like you could see for yourself with your own eyes how many years uh one novel no or only one novel by a woman was nominated for the best hugo and it's a lot as you might expect there are a lot of years listed and then it also compares you know how many Novels by men were nominated for, you know, the best novel and the best novella. And there are very few and some of them that just have, there were no years where no, no man was nominated. So I just thought that this was an interesting, not surprising look at the gender balance with the Hugos. And if people are getting upset, which I'm sure they are, that... A lot of women are being nominated. Sure I don't know what to tell them. Someone is upset on the internet. <laughs> oh my goodness! Every time I'm like, "Well, how do you have the time to be upset about these things?" That, like, we need to balance things out. Let's let's just address that. So. We're so far from even getting close to balancing, too, as the stats prove. I will uh-huh. say also, there was an amazing Twitter thread that did visual representations of these in, like, pie charts. Um, and I'll drop that link into the show notes as well. It's a companion thread to uh, Nichols's research, but mm-hmm. I found it a little easier to look at some, than some of the um, other charts involved, even though I do love a chart. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, it's it's a it, there's a lot of data here, and I really appreciate that's, that somebody did this this is really that's fantastic i wish i had seen that because i went (laughs) cross-eyed looking at (laughs) i'm sorry i failed you (laughs) oh well and that's that for gender and the hugos (laughs) yeah not a real problem no i mean there is a real there is a problem it's not the one people are complaining about Goodness gracious. All right. Well, okay. So here's a, here's a nice thing. Here's a very nice thing. 
Yes, Fonda Lee is going to be writing for Marvel's Swordmaster comic. I am such a huge fan of this news. So Fonda Lee is the author of The Greenbone Saga, among other things, which I have the second book sitting on my TBR pile. I loved the first one so much. It's like this magical, mafia, Asian, I don't even know, epic family saga. It's fantastic. Um, And she is going to be a co-writer for this ongoing series, which follows a Chinese superhero named Lin Li. And I did not had never heard of this series, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. And I'm super excited to discover a comic that I might be interested in. And also, I would love to see what Lee does with this. And Another thing that was nice about this is that Greg Pak is already on the writer artist team for this. And I love his work. I love his work. So this is just like all around a happy maker for me. Yeah, Fonda Lee is a great like she can obviously tell an epic story. So mm-hmm. I feel like this is such an amazing fit. And I'm the same. I haven't come across this comic or um, this superhero before, but. I was so excited to learn about it, and I can't wait to see what she does with it and how the art style is going to be, uh, because I'm I'm definitely getting back on my comics kick lately, so oh, this is a nice. great way to, to keep it going. Yeah, I it was unclear to me from the Tor.com article about this, whether the series is actually new or her arc of it is new, like both or either of those things could be true, mm. so... Um, but yeah, that's that's our story about that. Super exciting. Very exciting indeed. Um, okay, so my last bit is some exciting news about the watch. And it's funny because the headline is about Richard Dormer, none other than Beric Dondarrion from Game of Thrones, <laughs> is going to be cast in the watch. And again, this is... Uh, Terry Pratchett's Discworld adaptation of The Watch. And for me, the really fantastic news is that there's going to be non-binary representation, not just in the cast, but also on the writing team, which I wasn't actually mentioned in this article, but I looked up one of the names just, you know, to figure out who these people who are writing Uh, the show are and it turns out one of them is non-binary which is amazing and they do describe Mm -hmm. this as being an inclusive series an inclusive adaptation and it does look like they're actually following through with that so they're going to have they list a few of the cast members in this piece that you can look up um, but constable cheery is described as the ingenious non-binary forensics expert. And the Constable Cheery is going to be played by Joe Eaton Kent. And on the writing team, we have Amru Al-Qadi, who is also non-binary, and also a drag queen, which I learned from from their website. So I was like, this is so fantastic. I know... I always come to this with a little bit of worry when they're when they're doing a Terry Pratchett adaptation or any adaptation of something I really love, especially something that's kind of considered, you know, a classic in science mm-hmm. fiction and fantasy, because I think that 
the tendency is to lean on the idea that this work is a classic and so it needs to be for whatever reason uh, like represented by an all-white cast mm-hmm. that that happens so much and i really am glad that they're taking it to a place that is inclusive and has representation on both sides of the spectrum they have people of color on the cast and on the writing team and they have non-binary representation i was just very gladdened by this news in general yeah, this is this is between this and the Wheel of Time casting. Yeah. I feel like we're having a beautiful moment, so which nice. is it's so nice. It's so nice. I mean, now we, these just like need to get made and be actually good. Like we need that to happen as well. But this just feels it's such welcome news and it feels like steps in the right direction. And yeah, it's nice to see the writers rooms getting diversified, like you said, as well as the casts, because, you know, there's all kinds of problems with monolithic writers rooms as well. Um, no matter who you're, you know, casting. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, this is really, this is really wonderful news. And I am now, I was already interested. Now I'm much more interested (laughs) (laughs) because I just think the stories you can tell are more interesting. I was thinking about this. I was like, yeah, I mean, it's just like there there are political reasons why this is important. But like literally there are story reasons this is important. The stories are just so much more interesting this way. Absolutely. And it sounds like it's going to be a quirky, rompy chaotic tale so i'm here for all of that (laughs) yeah same 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 uh let's see i think yeah that seems like enough news yeah i think so all right all right so we'll move right along to our second sponsor which i'm sure y'all are probably already very excited about because it is loki where mischief lies written by mackenzie lee and read by oliver wyman also an audiobook edition sponsored by penguin random house audio and mackenzie lee is the author of the gentleman's guide to vice and virtue plus some other books and that I know many of you have absolutely loved it. And this is Loki in 19th century London. What? Mm -hmm. Exploring a set of mysterious murders. Sounds fantastic. And this is the first of three YA novels from Lee that are coming. And yeah, he, uh, Loki is like, desperate to prove himself. This is before him meeting the Avengers. And it is uh, like, I just love the idea of a period murder mystery with Loki. Like I would, that is not, if you had asked me what this book would do with Loki, I would never in a million years have guessed that. Like that is not what I would have guessed. And so I'm so delighted uh, to have such an interesting premise. And it's, I mean, obviously Mackenzie Lee loves to write a comedy of manners. And so this is in that wheelhouse as well. And so I'm really excited to see what happens with this. And an audiobook is always a good time for these. So again, that is Loki, Where Mischief Lies, written by Mackenzie Lee and read by Oliver Wyman. That sounds like such a fun time. I know, it really does. Should we talk about our research process for this show? Yeah, we can talk about that. Just like a little bit. Mine was a hot mess. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me about your hot mess. 
So I was originally, I thought I had my game plan going because mm -hmm. I was looking at, you know, lists of award winners and things like that. And we actually had a few lists on the site about African science fiction and fantasy. Both of the books I chose were like a thousand pages. It turned <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, Whoops. yeah, yeah, that's not going to happen. Not this time <laughs> around, at least. And then I got, I went down this rabbit hole of, I found this list. Uh, I can't remember where I found it. It must have been like Wikipedia. That sounds like rabbit hole territory. Mm -hmm. uh, I found this list of a bunch of, of writers of who were from Africa and I just ended up confusing and confounding myself so much but I found two, two picks in the end, actually three. So it was just like, I was all over the place. And I had a hard time again with trying to find titles that we hadn't talked about already. So yeah, that was I was like, Oh, this will be easy. I've read a ton of African writers. And I have read a bunch, <laughs> but we talked about almost all of them at least once, if not more than once. And I was like, ugh. Like, I don't mind a repeat now and then, but especially for a show where we're focusing on a region. Like, why am I not going to try to find something new, right? Like, yeah. it just feels, I don't want to be super predictable. And, and the field, there are so many amazing writers. It seems silly to just focus on ones that we've already talked about. So, I also fell down a couple of rabbit holes. There's a great website for African speculative fiction um, run by the folks who also run the Nomo Award. And I relied very heavily on that, which I appreciated a lot. But also, y'all, I don't know if you know what Omanana is. And if you don't, it is a speculative fiction magazine specifically publishing works by African speculative fiction writers. And I must have read, I don't know, like 40 of their short, like I just, they're all online. So I just started reading through past issues mm. and read so many of them. And there were so many good ones and so many fascinating ones. And I just was like, how now, how am I going to pick? Like I've, at first I went from not having enough to having way too many, <laughs> which is not a bad problem, but you know, you got to narrow it down somehow. You, do. <laughs> you just have to. So, so it was a really interesting, yeah, it was a really interesting research process for this. And I will just say, I was specifically looking for because we've talked a lot about, obviously we've talked about a lot of African-American authors and there are several authors who who were like, you know, born in Nigeria, but now live in the United States. Um, and I was trying to focus more specifically on, you know, African writers from outside of the U.S. So, I mean, maybe part of the diaspora in different ways, but that was what I was personally trying to focus on. Yeah, I did the same. And then I, I got into the, I was trying to find books that were actually set in Africa as mm -hmm. well, which oh, is where yeah. it got a little bit trickier. Yes, um, yes. But... I did the same thing. I was tr definitely trying to find writers who are specifically from Africa. Uh, and it, it turns out I learned that a lot of writers who I thought were – who had maybe immigrated to the U.S. were not actually – were actually born in the U.S. So mm -hmm. that was – it was an interesting research process in general. Yeah. And obviously also, I mean, we're talking about Africa as if it's one thing. It's not. But, you know, for the purposes yeah. of this, we were using ge the continent of Africa as our geographic boundary. Yep. 
Do you want to go first? Okay, I will go first. I will talk about my science fiction pick, um, which is Skinned by Leslie Neka Arima. And this author is new to me, but not to a lot of people. But before I talked about Skinned, I wanted to just give a shout out. This is, of course, a writer we've talked about a lot, but I think that it's definitely worth mentioning again that Rosewater by Tade Thompson is an excellent pick for this theme. And we talked about it at great length, and we've talked about it regularly because we did a whole Mm -hmm. book club episode on it. (laughs) (laughs) But it's set in Africa. It's fantastic. Features alien invasions, telepathic abilities, and a biodome. You should check it out. And especially now that the second book is out, which is on my shelf, and I can't wait to read it. Uh, But for today, I'm talking about... A few new to me authors, and Leslie and Eka Arima is one. And this is a short story titled Skim. And Leslie is a Nigerian writer. This story, I believe, is set in Nigeria. I don't think it's spelled out actually, but some of the setting made me think that that was the case. You can read the entire story at McSweeney's. That's such a great thing about some short stories is that they're just available to read online. I appreciate mm-hmm. it. And there will be a link in the show notes, of course, so you can read it if you want to. And I came across this story while I was looking at a list of winners of the Kane Prize for African Writing, which was a great resource as well. And Skinned won the 2019 award, the most recent one. And the short story was originally published in McSweeney's Quarterly Concern, if anybody gets those or knows about them. And the premise alone just sounded so powerful, I had to give it a read. This is one of those stories that kind of seems like it's part of a current reality, which is the scary part, because it's it's a dystopian story. It's one that hits all too close to reality, and it examines how we view women in relation to marriage and desirability and the ways we shame women for not conforming to expectations around marriage. I'm pretty sure I was cringing the entire time I read it. It's really unsettling, intentionally so, I think. And it uses public nudity to unsettle. It literally lays Ooh. the body bare so you, can, you can't look away from how women's bodies are treated as products and how we're com- uh, commodified. And the story follows Ejim, a cosmetic salesperson or makeup salesperson of the kind that comes into your home for a sort of cosmetics party. I think there's an actual term for that, but all I know is like Tupperware parties, but it's like that. (laughs) Um, But because Ejim is unclaimed, she has to walk around the streets unclothed, completely unclothed. She has to live like this until she can claim her wife cloth. And join the clothed women who have husbands. So when the story starts out, she's in this, she's doing one of these cosmetic parties surrounded by clothed, wed women. And she's the only one who's naked. And it's absolutely horrifying. She's already treated a certain way by wedded women. And then her world sort of promises to be even more isolating. The older she becomes, the less likely it becomes that she is going to be married And she's going to remain an unclaimed woman. And there's a lot to unpack in this story. It's obviously you can read it in the span of, you know, probably under an hour, probably, I don't know, 15 to 20 minutes. But it packs so much into 
this small story and so much commentary on the ways in which the concept of women's desirability affects every facet of her life from friendships to class to employment. There are, are also class issues addressed here. I thought that was a really interesting added element and theme and it's just really incredibly harrowing from beginning to end seeing how people are twisted by this world and this philosophy and way of living. So I definitely need to pick up Leslie Nekarima's short story collection, What It Means When a Man Falls from the Sky. It has similar dystopian themes, it sounds like, with feminism and ecology at the core of a lot of the stories. So I think that this is a really great entry point into her work. And again, I've been talking about Leslie Neka Arima's short story, Skinned. Yeah, I've read a couple of the short stories from that collection, and they are unsettling in the extreme. Uh, they're not all, like, speculative necessarily, but the, oof, they're really, they pack a punch. So, yeah, you it know. sounds like it. I got, ugh, I got Gird chills. yourself. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so my sci-fi pick is called The Broken Nose. It's by Mame Diene, who is Franco-Senegalese, and... This also actually does take place in like a far future post-collapse world. Well, it feels like it because, you know, the the opening scene is a man boating through this section called the Broken Nose. And it's surrounded by like the skeletons of skyscrapers. And then there's, you know, huts that have sprung up since. And there's a dome, protective dome over, you know, the only actual livable place and all of the like the sky you can't see the stars because of all the dust and it it just feels very like ooh yes i i know this scene except that i don't because uh dna has a has his own spin on it which is great um and the main character turns out to be a drug peddler who is you know looking for clients basically <laughs> And runs afoul of some people who are maybe not people. And I, it is a short story. I don't want to give too much else away. But we've talked before about short stories that feel bigger on the inside. And this is definitely one of them. I reread it a couple of times because I just loved the description and the world building so much. And it's so like, it's not long, but you get so much in it. And, and it just hints at other things where I was like, oh, I wonder if this is like this and if this is that and what about this? And it just made me want so much more set in this place. And it is it is definitely a different kind of vision than a lot of the, you know, United States or British like post-collapse societies. Um, it's a it's it's just really fascinating. And I loved the language and the dialogue. And, you know, and then I, I discovered that DNA has a bunch of short stories in Omanana and other places. So I'm definitely going to be looking for more of his work. But yeah, like, you know, I love like a boating through the remains of society and then you fall afoul of a creature like, ooh, it's 
it's just <laughs> it's just so good. It's just so good. Um, so I have a link to that in the show notes because you can read it for free online, which is amazing. And um, yeah, it's uh, it's really really good. So again, that's the Broken Nose by Mame DNA. I love a short story that makes you feel like you read a whole book. Yeah, it's so satisfying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so moving on to my fantasy picks, I actually have two because one of them turned out to be really, really short, and I was like, <laughs> I'm not going to have enough to say. But I really <laughs> wanted to find a creator and a writer I had never picked up before. So the first one is a comic. These are both comics, and it's called Tatashe, and it's by Cassandra Mark and Tobe Max Eziogu. And this is not um, an extension of the award-winning books episode, but it just so <laughs> happens that Tatashe was shortlisted for the 2019 Nomo Award for Best Comic. Nice. And I'm actually going to talk about one of its contenders as well, um, because that was my second choice. So the winners aren't going to be announced until October. We don't know who won yet. Uh, but these are works by African creators nominated by the African Speculative Fiction Society. But here's the thing about this comic. There is only one issue available online so far. And you can read it online, but this is another issue, another uh, challenge I came across when I was doing my research is that accessibility to some of these books Mm. and some of these Mm -hmm. comics is not necessarily there. So I really had to look around for it, but I'm going to leave a link so you don't have to. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I also read Shuri by Nnedi Okorafor, but to start with Tatashe first, who I do not know, I've never come across this comic or its creator, and it only has 21 pages, but the comic follows the adventures of Tatashe on a magical food planet, which (gasps) is... (laughs) So amazing. I was hooked by that description. So, of course, A Magical Food Planet is why I clicked the link so fast. And the art style is really reminiscent of manga. So if you like manga, you should definitely check this out. The color palette is absolutely gorgeous. The art is just fantastic. And I can tell this is going to be a really lighthearted, fun series. It kind of, how it begins, kind of reminds me of Children of Blood and Bone by Tomiyata Yemi, but not like that Children of Blood and Bone gets dark. This is more in terms of like the two relationships that are built at the start of the uh, comic. So in the first issue, we meet Tatashe and we see that she's given something by her aunt who appears to be wearing a witch's hat in the brief glimpse we get of her, which (laughs) made me doubly like this comic was basically made for me food and witches. I cannot believe it. (laughs) Uh, But then you hop back to the present long after she received this mysterious gift from her missing aunt. She's living a normal enough life and goes off to the market, but an accidental encounter ends up blowing the cover of someone who is trying to hide and escape And Tatashe is sort of forced to take action to make up for giving the person away. There's lots of cuteness and lots of humor. And there's an ear of rainbow corn on the page. So you have to check this out. You just have to check it out. I really hope to see more of this comic soon. I know they take a while to create. So I will be patient. (laughs) But since it was only 21 pages, I also read Shuri 
by none other than Nnedi Okorafor, who is not new to me, as I'm <laughs> sure you all know. And the art is by Leonardo Romero. And this is definitely more in the realm of science fantasy, you know, in the realm of superheroes generally, but especially since Shuri is all about technology. This is a 10 book series, so you have plenty of reading here. It follows Shuri, who is the princess of Wakanda, who's been restored to the world of the living by the ancients, and with Wakanda's collective knowledge as well. So that's uh, interesting. And if you're not familiar with Shuri from the world of Black Panther, she's this tech-savvy, super smart young woman and leader. And in Shuri, she gets a storyline of her own, which begins when she designs this spaceship that sends her brother and the teleporter Eden or Manifold into space on this sort of clandestine mission that she doesn't even know everything about. So then when two weeks uh, two weeks pass with no word from them, Shuri and the leaders, some of the leaders of Wakanda begin to worry and reorganize. And Shuri is put into a really challenging new position and sets out to search for for both of them with the help of some guest heroes, including the X-Men, Rocket, Groot, and more. So really fun-filled, lots of cameo appearances. You can read these again in one sitting. Even though there are 10 of them, they read really quickly, which is always, again, a nice treat. And that was Shuri by Nnedi Okorafor and Leonardo Romero. I have got to check those out. Both yes, of them sound amazing. Um, I... Do you? I'm going to put you on the spot here, and I apologize. And also, obviously, I can go look this up after we're done recording. But do you know where this, like, is this fall in a particular place into, like, the movie timeline? You know what? They actually, I don't know. Is it just, like, totally separate, which would be fine? I think it's separate, but there is, there is a note in the first issue that says, what you need to read in order to know the other things that are because there's like one part oh, nice. where they mention this is why every, everything happened before so they're referring to something historically and then they point you to which issues you need to read so gotcha. i'm wondering if that would give some idea as well where they fall in terms of the movie yeah i don't so much care about continuity because first of all in comics continuity is a joke and like second of all you know who cares like it's more shuri who cares um she's such a great character but i was just curious i'm and they do as true i have forgot that marvel often does a good job of like telling you where the other info is should you want to sit your situate yourself in that situation somebody else might know better than me though because yeah that's fine i mean again like i don't know that it matters so much right it sounds like it's a pretty standalone arc yeah you can read it standalone for sure especially if you're just a shuri fan in general you're gonna enjoy it and you won't be uh, missing anything if you if you haven't watched the movie or read the other comics i have a shuri funko pop on my desk that i love so much oh my goodness <laughs> So you definitely... You have to read it. I do. I was like, oh, right. This is my reminder. This is my reminder. (laughs) And we're getting a Shuri novel too, aren't we? I'm pretty sure that's happening. That does sound like familiar news. I'm like 98% positive. I'll look it up and throw it into the show notes, but I'm 98% positive we're getting a Shuri novel also. So all things Shuri is is the name of the game, which is fine (laughs) by me. (laughs) 
Okay, so my fantasy pick is What If I Fall by Anne DeFetta, which is also a short story, also from Omanana. Like I said, I read like so many of these, y'all, and they were all worth it. But I, I depicted two, even though it was hard, and I loved this one so much because, so, okay, so some comics, or excuse me, some short stories feel like a whole world on the inside, and then some are just a perfect single moment. And and I love both of those experiences. And this one is like a beautiful, perfect single moment that does build a whole world around it. But the moment is the thing that matters. And I love this one. It is about a young woman named Udeme who is part of a lineage where every generation there are certain pledges called and one of them will be able to fly but the others might not. And the way you find out is all of the pledges are gathered together and they choose stones that tell them what order they're going to do this in. And then they jump off a cliff. And so if they don't fly, they die. (gasps) And so, you know, the families are both like part of this tradition and dread it. And it's a great honor to be part of this tradition, but also you could die. So that's really intense. And Udeme has a lot of thoughts and feelings about this. And as is common in a lot of these like chosen one stories where it could be any number of people, there's always the person that everybody thinks it's going to be. And she's pretty sure it's not her. So she's waiting to see what order she's going to draw to see if she will live or die, basically. And so you're getting, yeah, it's really intense. So you're getting her like up to this point, what it was like to live with knowing that this is what's going to happen to her. And then you get this beautiful moment of her thinking about like, what if she could explode this structure while still honoring what it, the tradition that it's a part of. And I'm not going to give away the ending, obviously, (laughs) but it is so powerful and so beautifully written. And her, like her thought processes are so beautifully captured. And I was like, just, you know, scrolling on the edge of my seat, as it were, reading this on my tablet, like, oh my God, what is going to happen? Uh, it was really tense for, again, a short story. Like short stories aren't that long, but I was, this one felt like such a ride and and drew me in so far. And then the ending, I was just like, oh, man, that was so beautifully done. It was just is really, really great. So, yeah, I, I love this. I love this piece so much. And the art that goes with it, I also really love. So, um, again, that is What If I Fall by Anne DeFetta, um, who is based in Lagos. And, and, and you know, like I said, I, I read a bunch of these and I really cannot encourage you all enough to go check out Omanana. I'm going to leave links in the show notes for these and just for their, you know, you'll be able to find their general website and all of the past issues. They do this quarterly. They pay their writers. Like, it's a really amazing 
literary magazine. And the more I get sucked into short stories, especially because, you know, Tor.com has been doing such a great job of putting them out and featuring them. But I'm like, oh, right. Other people are doing this and have been doing this for a good long time. And there are wonderful resources like this or like FIA that some of our Book Riot contributors, yeah. previous Book Riot contributors are involved in that will give you like, I know a lot of people, especially after Black Panther came out, were like, where do I find more of this? And like, this is where y'all like this is how you can find more of this. So I, I really super encourage everybody to check it out. It's just ugh, it's just, so the stories are great. The site is great. Like everything is great. And it's free. It's bananas that these are free. So again, that short story is What If I Fall by Anne DeFetta. And that's our show. That's our show. Thank you all for listening. Uh, please do shoot us an email at sffia at bookriot.com. We've gotten some great theme ideas from y'all. We've had some great feedback. Keep it coming. We love to see it. You could also, if you're so inclined, review us or rate us on Apple Podcasts. That is another great way to leave us feedback. And it does help other sci-fi fantasy fans to find the show. And you can find us online on social media. Sharifa, where are you at? I'm at Instagram. You can find me at Zainab Williams. That's S-Z-A-I-N-A-B Williams. And I am on Twitter as Jen IRL, Jen with two N's, I-R-L. And I'm on Instagram as I am Jen IRL. And we'll talk to you next time. 